You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Malignant. was found brutally murdered in her home this morning. Did you know her? No, but I saw her die. I'm seeing things. I'm seeing murders. As they're happening. Hello? He says his name is Gabriel. I think he's someone from my past. Whatever happened to you before you joined our family hurt you in a way that I can't even imagine. Stop saying that. Maddie, who are you talking to? Gabriel. Is he your imaginary friend? Imaginary Imaginary He's the devil. getting closer. He wants to talk to you. Mom, what do you know? He's coming for me. Alright everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Malignant, and the story is as follows. Paralyzed by fear from shocking visions, a woman's torment worsens as she discovers her waking dreams are terrifying realities. The film is starring Annabelle Wallace, Maddie Hassan, George Young, Jacqueline McKenzie, Nicole Brianna White, Jake Abel, and Ingrid Bissou. It is written and directed by James Wan, co-written by Ingrid Bissou and Akella Cooper. Here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Emma Sasek. Hello, hello. Cody Derricks. Hiya. And Josh Parham. Hello, hello. So James Wan decided to go back to horror. (laughs) After working in the big budgeted Hollywood studio system with movies like Furious 7, Aquaman, making the studios a lot of money, especially Warner Brothers with Aquaman. He pretty much decided straight up, y'all going to give me whatever the hell I want for my next movie, and you ain't going to ask any questions. (laughs) And here we are. Oh, man, this movie is now currently playing in theaters, streaming on HBO Max, and it is a return to form for James Wan, but clearly with Like I said, a blank check from the studio essentially saying, go off, man, you do you. And what a ride this was in more ways than one. I did not have really high expectations for it heading into uh, Malignant. 
I liked The Conjuring. We just did a podcast throwback review of that recently in preparation for this. And, you know, I've seen Insidious. I like Insidious-ish. Of course, James Wan is responsible for launching the Saw franchise. But he's never really been a director for me that I've, I've never really... It's not that I haven't gotten him. He's just, like, not really for me, necessarily. I like what he does, and I like his technical proficiency. But his work has never fully clicked for me. Maybe because it takes itself very seriously in movies like Insidious and The Conjuring. Whereas Malignant has a new layer to it in terms of how he tackles the horror genre, which made this one, I think, click a little bit more for me than some of his other works before. Curious to know what you guys all think. Let's start off first with Emma Sasek. Well, I am a big fan of his horror work with The Conjuring and Insidious. I was trying to rewatch Insidious earlier this week, but I didn't get a chance to because I remembered, oh yeah, I was seriously scared shitless when I watched this in college because I have very vivid memories of watching this in my college dorm room. So I was, I was excited thinking about, you know, what I know James Wan is capable of doing with horror. Um, But this movie is very much different from his previous stuff. I, as I wrote in our review, there are no possessed dolls. There aren't ghost hunters. Um, It's a very, I guess it's like a, it's a little bit of a combination of um, some of the things that he does in horror in terms of what's real, what isn't real. Um, But it's, it's just a scary film just in terms of these vivid, very, very vivid dreams that this woman is having, truly paralyzing dreams as we see uh, everything that she's going through and how she's unable to move in those moments. I don't think there's anything more terrifying than that. And I don't know if anybody's ever experienced that moment where you wake up, but your body is literally unable to move. Um it's a real medical thing, which is even scarier. Um, but uh, and then we just see like all of these crazy, gruesome acts of violence happen. Um, and it's his take on the giallo horror subgenre where we do see these very gruesome acts of violence occur. These black gloved murderers coming in, doing all sorts of wild stuff. And I feel like wild is a great way to describe this film, especially as we get into the latter parts of the film. Um, But I still think it's highly entertaining, despite there still being a few flaws with the ending uh, that I think are personally there. But totally a different vibe from James Wan, but he's still able to scare people. And I think his directing style really stands out with this film. Um, So good things and bad things for me. Mostly good things. All right. Cody Derricks, our resident horror expert here. What did you think of this one? You know, every time I call you call me that, I kind of go, uh oh, like <laughs> <laughs> the burden of expectation Such pressure. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so James Wan is absolutely my guy. I'm here for everything he does, both his horror. You know, I, I love the conjuring. I think saw is pretty formative. And his non-horror, you know, I think Furious 7 is about as good as that franchise is ever going to get. And Aquaman is probably the most fun I've ever had with the DC Universe. So he's one of those directors that, you know, uh, he could tell me he was doing, like, a 
a remake of Manos, the Hands of Fate. And I'd be like, yeah, I probably should watch that. So <laughs> it, it doesn't really matter what he's doing. I'm there for it. Uh, and this movie was interesting because for the first half, without giving anything away, I kind of was like, okay, this is, you know, this is fun. I like the way this looks. Uh, the creature design is interesting, but I'm not really quite getting the hook. And then the second half kicks in and it was like, oh, shit, here we go. This is exactly the kind of I cannot believe what I'm watching fun I was expecting and hoping for. I especially cannot believe this is a Warner Brothers movie. Like you said, Matt, it kind of is shocking to a degree the things he's allowed to do in this, knowing that he had big studio money and that it was going to be tossed on HBO Max like we all know now. So. Overall, I really had a really good time with Malignant. I think um, if you're a horror fan of any degree, this is going to be exactly the kind of well-made but unafraid to be fun horror movie that you probably always want every time you step into a scary movie. Yeah, it doesn't take itself too seriously. And that was like the one thing about it that I mostly appreciated, especially like you said, Cody, is when we get to that absolutely pedal to the metal, just... (laughs) That that final act is just something else. Josh, do you agree? What do you think of Malignant? My, yeah, my thoughts are pretty much with Cody on this one. Especially when I sat down to watch this movie and it first started, I definitely agree that it was compelling, but this movie throws a lot at you right away. And it's sort of difficult to get your footing with all of that. And I... I admit to not knowing if I was like totally with it all the way, but it does hit a point where I am just fully then on board and it goes into some very wacky directions, but I was all for it. It was just so entertaining. And of course, as we had talked about previously in our Conjuring review, you know, James Wan is just a really interesting filmmaker and a master craftsman and oh man, this movie was just so much fun by the end of it. And I think it just really gets a a really great tone going for it, where it is indulgent in some of the scares, but it just also feels so revelatory in wanting to be stylish and entertaining. And yeah, I had a blast with this movie. I think it's actually one of the big surprises for me this year. I didn't I did not expect to like it as much as I did, and I think it's super fun and very, very entertaining. I think the thing that I'm seeing a lot from people, especially people who are not fans of the movie, like overall, is I don't think they're attuned to the fact that this isn't necessarily, as I mentioned earlier, a serious jump scare kind of a horror movie in the same vein as something like Insidious or The Conjuring. This movie has quite a bit of B-movie schlock to it and camp, and it I think it is meant to be taken in a more fun and less serious way than his other movies in the past. And I think that's a lot of that is his uh, homage to the giallo uh, genre, where it's almost played off like it is a film straight from the 70s or the 80s, but obviously with a modern 2021 like visual aesthetic. And I can understand why some people are not responding to that. But for me, it worked so incredibly well mostly because also too i mean i mean i can probably count on one hand less than five times the amount of times i had like a jump scare actually get me i think maybe the biggest one was probably what the laundromat jump scare right with the with the reflection in the laundry 
Yeah, yeah, probably. I like another Soderbergh film than Laundromat. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Yeah, that was scary. But I mean, that's a horror reasons. movie. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I I didn't find this to be like your typical jump scare horror. Instead, I responded more and i typically do tend to respond more to this within the genre the psychological horror of it all to be more disturbing and the way that that only works then for me as an audience member is if the lead performance can convey those emotions to me in a way where i actually care about the character and what they are going through and um i think annabelle wallace here uh does a really good job of having to quite honestly balance a really tricky role here because I do think that this movie could have veered too far into its campy fun territory to the point that it could have been a laughable mess at times. And that's always really important. I think with any kind of horror movie like this is even when the things that are happening in the movie are very wild and crazy and, and it's all like eccentric, you still need a central performance to kind of ground you and make it, seem like even though all this craziness is happening it still is affecting them in a real way and i think that wallace gives a really good performance in service of that you know is it like best of the year territory no of course not but for what this movie requires it is a really great kind of central anchor to guide you through and i did really appreciate her performance for that Cody, you're the only one of us that has seen Last Night in Soho. Tell me, who does the uh, Giallo uh, homage better here, oh. James Wan or Edgar Wright? Interesting. So, hmm, without giving too much of my thoughts away on Last Night in Soho, I do think that James Wan has a a more distinct idea of the kind of uh, gonzo nature required to evoke the genre. You know, you need to be absolutely unafraid to just do it. Just go for it. And this movie absolutely goes for it, (laughs) you know, and it almost seems in a winking way to be playing into that because some of the gore effects in this and especially some of the stuff that happens in the latter half is very like, are you having fun yet audience? Um, We also keep mentioning Giallo. I also got a distinct Cronenberg vibe from some of the later stuff. Oh, my God. How could you not with some of the body horror in this? My Lord. (laughs) The body horror, the kind of um, way it plays with uh, our relation to our physical selves and how we identify with that. That is absolutely something straight out of, you know, pick a movie at random from Cronenberg's filmography. I absolutely loved every single creative choice that was done with the how do i describe this without giving away spoilers um i think just saying creature design will take care of it yeah Yeah. okay we'll go with that you guys know what i mean so i i thought that was so unique and really gave a lot of those scenes and they they felt like action scenes at times like i i can see james wan's um you know skills that he's picked up along the way working on these big budgeted uh, studio films like coming through in those scenes like some of these are done in oneers um it, it it's really really well choreographed and extremely well done i i didn't I, I i hate this and i wish movies would stop doing this i can't stand cgi blood i like the real thing I especially like it when it's even done in a way where it's up close and i see everything <laughs> you know This movie, I think, is contending possibly for his goriest film that he's ever done at times. Matt said, let them all bleed real blood. (laughs) I 
I, they definitely did not waste a single dollar of that fake blood budget. Like it was flowing, truly flowing in this movie. I also have to definitely give a shout out to the contortionist who was involved in being the creature. Um, some of the most truly mind boggling things to see done to the human body. And they, those contortionists, they know how to do it. I wonder if it was like the same people that might have worked on Guadagnino's uh, Suspiria. I wonder too. The Olga scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely gave me, uh, definitely gave me flashbacks of that for sure, which I really appreciated at times. But yeah, like lots of broken limbs, decapitated like limbs. Like there was just so much going on that at a certain point, and I've heard so many people say like, oh, it goes off the rails in the third act. I know, Emma, like you, you also like expressed a little bit of that as well. I mean, that was where for me, I was just like gleefully smiling and having such a blast watching it, especially even like the thing that was threatening to lose me was some of the dialogue in the third act just started getting a little too a little too cheesy for me um especially like anytime the creature would speak um i kind of started to you know roll my eyes just ever so slightly but uh annabelle wallace though uh, kept on bringing me back uh each time because i think i was so invested in her character's journey uh, because the movie is, you know, giving her uh, this backstory with miscarriages and so much of the movie is about, um, you know, having children, uh, keeping children, uh, uh, giving children away, adopting children, so on and so forth, um, being born, uh, you know, as as a uh, single uh, child or as a twin. I mean, there was just a lot of themes going on in there um, that gave us the audience, I think, like a lot to connect to. Yeah. And. I, I do understand, Matt, that like some of the dialogue, yeah, feels a little cheesy at times, but that honestly never really bothered me because by that point in the movie, especially, it really just started to steer into like kind of 80s schlock to me. Like some yeah. of the things that happened in the third act and those twists that happen really do feel like they're out of one of those movies. And I think it understands that and it's just having fun with it. And for me, I yearn so much to see modern movies that sort of have that sensibility, but can take it seriously, but also have fun with it at the same time. That's a really hard balance to get right. And I think this movie understands how to approach that. And even though, yes, it gets very wild at times, I think it has a complete understanding of that. And even though it is seemingly out of con- out of control, I actually think there is a great amount of control with the direction in those moments in the film. And I just revel in it along with what the filmmaking is doing. I I simply have so much fun in those segments. Yeah. It's interesting because we do keep saying, you know, it goes off the rails and none of that is by accident. It's all very controlled to Josh's point. You know, he knows exactly what he's going for and what he hopes to accomplish both on the screen and in terms of our reaction to it. And so later when it's getting just, you know, bananas (laughs) it still feels very focused like it's all of a piece in a way yeah no no i i I agree in that regard i definitely agree with you guys all too and that it does it does feel controlled in those moments because obviously you know he's still at the helm he's still getting all of this he's still doing what he's doing with his directing style I don't know. I just thought it was like, (laughs) I just thought it was really, really, really wild. And maybe it's because I already 
kind of have in my mind, okay, this is this is what James Wan has does, done previously in his horror movies. This does not fit in with anything. But I guess, you know, that's that's just part of that giallo subgenre. Like, it's those kinds of big, crazy moments and acts that happen in these movies. Maybe I just wasn't physically prepared for it. I guess it's not something that, like, it's not too... How do I want to put this? It's not too weird to still, you know, appreciate it. You know, it, it is still definitely a fun thing. Maybe just in the moment I was kind of like, hmm, that doesn't seem right. Or that's like way off from how I ever pictured this going. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Hey there. I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo. And co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema. Our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon. I think something that might contribute to that feeling is that this movie doesn't really have a steady escalation to the finale. It starts pretty high already. Like That's you very true. You kind of come in at an eight with this movie and then That's it suddenly true. goes up to a 10 at the end. So <laughs> I think because it really throws a lot at you at the beginning, like I said, it's sort of hard to get your footing. And by the time you get to that end, you're either going to eventually find the wavelength of this movie or you're still going to be kind of off because the movie doesn't give you that foundation at the beginning. And I, so I am sympathetic to that feeling with the finale, but I did eventually find that wavelength for me and I was able to go with it at that point. I'm curious to know, we're reacting a lot to the creative decisions and visual aesthetic of like the third act and, uh, how you know especially like how an audience would react to these uh, moments in terms of just having a good time but what did you guys think of the without giving away spoilers just the reveal of what the movie was ultimately about because even i have to admit early on in the movie uh especially in the first act i really thought that james wan was going to be repeating himself and i was very very nervous about that and it wasn't something that i was totally on board with but then the movie kept on shape-shifting and changing and then the reveal happened and yes it's absolutely crazy but 
it does tie into uh, a few metaphors that I was alluding to earlier, and that is what kind of made it stick the landing for me personally. And it did keep me on my toes in the sense of, wow, like this turned out to be a radically different movie than what I first walked into when the credits rolled. So what did you guys think of how he approached the story? Yeah, I think it's pretty thematically sound. And that's kind of all I really need from a horror movie is I don't need it to essentially relate to real life per se, but I do appreciate when a director knows what they're trying to do with the movie in relation to what will scare us. And in terms of this movie, again, without giving anything away, it's definitely about, and you see this in um, the kills and in the creature design and in everything else about the movie, the way our bodies can turn out to be the um, most (laughs) villainous horror movie creature of all in the way that they can betray us. And so to kind of externalize that with this, you know, horrifying gore fest over the top, like bonanza, I think is a really smart way of turning something that's so interior as a fear into something horrifying and creature based. I also thought that, you know, you you're given little like little pieces along the way. And then you see the kills kind of go back to some of those pieces and everything is related that I did think that that was very, very sound and it all made sense. And the reveal, I guess, I guess I don't, I, I was still kind of like a, oh, ooh, that's kind of, oh, didn't see that one coming. But then like looking back at it, I was like, hmm, I guess I kind of should have seen that kind of coming. I don't know. James Wan is a crazy guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it is one of those things where when it happened, the reveal in this movie, like I actually was also surprised by it. But yeah, looking back, it's very kind of obvious that that's where it's going. But I always want to find that that is just the mark of you being engaged with the way that the story is unfolding. You are involved in it and you're not necessarily trying to plan or predict it. That's actually, to me, a bad thing when I'm actually thinking about what the twist is going to be. I was just in the movie, not even thinking about that. And I think that really speaks to how this movie has a great handle on its tone and how much it understands that, Yes, this story has to be serious for these characters, but like we don't really necessarily have to think this is a believable situation. And it really wants to just go for broke with those concepts that, as I said, you would see a lot in like schlocky 80s horror movies, which I am a huge, a huge proponent and a big fan of those types of films. And I, it, this movie really scratched that itch for me that I really don't see a lot in modern movies. And I very, very much appreciated it. What did you guys think of Maddie's relationship with uh, her various family members? Um, I, I, I especially liked, you know, how tho- those dynamics played into the end of the movie, especially by the end, as I uh, mentioned earlier. In contrast, though, and this is kind of a two-part question, I really did not enjoy a lot of the segments involving the two cops investigating these murders. I'll get to why in just a bit, but let's talk about like her relationship with her sister and stuff first. I thought the family dynamics were good. I I, I liked I, I like their interaction. I don't think that there's anything there that is like completely innovative. You know, it's like I think pretty standard, but they have a good rapport with each other, like her and her sister. So those scenes, I don't think they are like unique in any regard but they serve the narrative well enough and i think their performances are good i guess there's also like the you know the sister ends up like staying with the other sister um in her home after 
we see what happens to her in the beginning. So it is kind of sweet to establish that I'm here for you. You're here for me kind of dynamic, which obviously comes back into play toward the batshit crazy ending. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the thing I liked. I liked the emotional support of it all, which is why, like, I get so frustrated whenever you have characters like these uh, two detectives who they don't believe the lead character when the lead character is explaining to them exactly what is going on. And I know that that is a trope that happens in various movies all the time. The, 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 the skeptic that needs to be won over and stuff. But I just felt like that was something here that for some reason, for some reason, like I said, there are other movies where it works for me, but for some bizarre reason, I just felt like that was like the point. Those were the points in the movie where, the mo where everything was kind of slowing down for me a little bit too much. And it was starting to become a bit of a slog because it's like, no, we've established that this is real. This is not in her mind. And I appreciate that the movie does establish later on. Oh, no, this is real this isn't something that is just taking place like inside her mind like these other characters are dealing with this uh this 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 thing <laughs> you know yeah the the cop trope is a fixture in a lot of these kinds of movies and i agree that that's not the most interesting part there's a section also where there's like this extended chase scene with one of the cops that i think yes. is the weakest part of the movie because it just feels like it doesn't add really anything and it I think kind of slows the momentum down a lot, and I it should have been, it should have been saved more for the climax, if anything. Yeah, I I didn't really like that. I think that's actually the worst part of the movie, and yeah, they're they're not adding much, but it's just the bare minimum. I will admit, maybe the scenes are a little bit more tolerable for me because I just like looking at George Young. <laughs> oh, he's so handsome! Yes, so I that played in his favor. <laughs> so I agree. I also didn't love that chase scene. I thought it kind of dragged on, but. Any moment that we were allowed to see this creature and the way it moves and the way it interacts with the world, I was there for it. So in a way, I kind of didn't mind per se how long this chase scene was because it was a lot of just watching this creature move and trying to figure out what exactly you're looking at. Again, this contortionist, like it's so impressive what they're able to do. <laughs> Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Um, I mentioned earlier that there aren't many uh, jump scares necessarily like in this movie. So I'm curious to know, like, were there any jump scares that stood out to you? If not, were there any uh, aspects of the story from a psychological standpoint that terrified you or was it just simply a good time? I think it was definitely the more um, existential terror, you know, like uh, like I keep saying, what happens when your body betrays you? Mm -hmm. That to me is personally very scary <laughs> as something of a hypochondriac myself. So seeing it again kind of brought into the physical world really just shook me. Yeah, what I find fascinating about this movie is that I don't really find it to be like all that scary. Um, and I know that might be a detriment to some people, but I don't think that this is a film that really kind of indulges in a lot of those kinds of jump scares. Um, I do think that that sequence when they're like in that underground uh, touring area when he grabs that one woman down there, like that's a very I think that's like the closest I got to feeling any kind of fright in terms of what they were doing. But for the most part, I think this movie just wants to be fun. It just wants to like kind of turn up the the craziness levels at times and just really indulge in that and that's not always scary to me but it's really intriguing and very compelling and i'm still having a good time regardless yeah i thought i for the most part it was more of a good time um i 
kind of like how I was saying in the beginning, I think I would be so I would be terrified if I was experiencing something like this. Like, you know, you wake up in the dream and you realize that like you can't move your body because it is a real human thing that happens to people. And it's just so scary. And people like breathe heavily in that moment. And I just don't know what I would do if I was witnessing these awful things happening in front of me. And I literally could not do anything to help anyone beginning with myself in that situation. So that's just the more terrifying thing. Again, it goes back to the body betraying you in a sense. Sleep paralysis is definitely a bitch. Thank you. Thank you. That's what the word is. (laughs) So for final thoughts on malignant, uh, Josh, we'll start off with you. Anything that we didn't mention that you want to mention here? I'm sure that there's got to be at least some scenes or technical aspects that stood out to you. Um. I actually, I think we talked about most of it. I just think that this movie, like I said, it throws a lot at you at the beginning. And I think that there is a danger of you kind of wanting to check out from it. But I really do think that this film has a actual good grasp on its storytelling to the point where I do want to watch it again with that knowledge now. And I think that those things that bothered me in the beginning may not bother me so much. And I just really appreciate this movie being so goddamn fun. Like it, it really is. I was actually like cheering and applauding during the finale of this movie. I enjoyed it so much, and that has not happened with me uh, in a while, particularly with horror movies these days. So I think that this movie is definitely not for everybody. I can imagine it will be very polarizing, but the style, the tone. Everything that's going for it just really, really I was just completely in the frequency of this film and I just had a very, very fun time with it. Cody Derricks. So I just wanna again highlight my dude James Wan. I think he really I keep talking about the care he puts into his films. I think that's also tied to how much he cares about the audience's understanding and comprehension at all times. So you never feel lost in a James Wan movie especially in relation to the way he portrays location um, and time period. I think those kind of essential, you know, hallmarks of setting are really not something that's lost in James Wan, whereas a lot of directors kind of just make you go along with it. I also want to highlight there's one specific shot, which there's he does a lot of shots like this in his movies where he'll um, kind of show a location in an interesting angle. Um, there's a shot of her running overhead in her house. Oh, my um, God. Up the stairs. And it's like looking at um, a blueprint almost. You know, you have, the camera is above and there's no ceiling. And it reminds me of some of the better shots in his movies. Like I'm thinking of the uh, long tracking shot through the house in The Conjuring at the beginning, which really lays out the whole location for you, which is important later on in the movie. I'm thinking of that one shot in Aquaman where it's like he dives into the water and all of a sudden it's like looking at an ant farm. It's very like, sliced into like a cake i don't i can't even fully describe you just have to look at it to know what i'm talking about but you know he clearly again it's he he cares about his audience and he wants you to be as long for the ride as clearly he is yeah that overhead shot uh was one that stood out to me greatly and made me then um on an even deeper level than i was before pay attention throughout the movie to the production design i i think this movie has really really amazing production design uh, like much better than i thought that it was going to be to be honest emma 
yeah, that bird's eye view shot, it reminds me of like, it's almost as if she's in a dollhouse essentially. And we're just like watching her from above. I love that too. Um, I, I was also just going to highlight his directing style, how I feel like he always thinks of putting us into the action in a sense um, to make us feel even more freaked out by the things that we're seeing to make us more scared and get your heart pumping. That was definitely one of the scenes that I really enjoyed and the way that he captured that. Um, he also just puts his characters like they're headed toward darkness or like darkness is essentially like swallowing them up. And I love a lot of those scenes too. I feel like it just, it makes you even more nervous. Like what is inside of this room that we can't see what's about to pop out, what's about to get us. I always love whenever he does that. So um, he's a, he's a master of horror in his crazy demented ways. I feel like more horror movies should use uh, red lighting because I think it looks so good in this film. I especially love the use of zooms that he does in this. Um, just like whether it's a zoom in on Annabelle Wallace's uh, face while she's, uh, you know, panting heavily, her eyes. I mean, like, there's just some really, really striking visual images in this that I, I would go so far as to say, and feel free to disagree with me on this, I think this might be technically his, his most well-made film yet. I don't know if I agree with that, but it's very well made for sure. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, another thing I also want to uh, call attention to was the uh, Where Is My Mind by the Pixies remix that played throughout this movie. <laughs> that was a choice. <laughs> Did you guys like that? Or? I'm a dummy when it comes to music, so I didn't catch that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm the same as you, Cody. I have no knowledge of music so like if that played it's like i don't know it probably just went over my head <laughs> i i did love the opening credits and just the you know dark industrial electronic rock music that played over the credits i did not really like anytime they had that rock music playing and i don't know it just felt so distracting i was like what am i like what movie am i watching with this music right now it just felt so out of place to me see like it sent a message to me like while watching it like okay you're about to watch like a heavy badass horror movie <laughs> like i suppose it does send that <laughs> yeah but then at, at the same time at the beginning i was just trying to figure out what the hell was happening true true 30 the first 30 minutes of this movie is just trying to figure out what the story is going to be it's time we cut out the cancer. <laughs> I was just about to point that out, too. And then after that, dun 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 crazy rock music. <laughs> Who the hell owns VCRs anymore? Anyone? <laughs> Well, I mean, you're the wrong person. I'm the wrong person to ask about that. <laughs> I still do have a VCR. But, you know, it, it was her mom. She was older. I, she probably held on to some older tech. Fair, fair. Uh, throwing the chair across the room. No. <laughs> like, if there was ever a stand-up and cheer moment in this movie for me, that was probably it. Because I just thought that was so hilarious. Um, especially because it was all captured in a wide shot. Which, it, it's like... That that was no small feat to throw that chair. That was insane. Very impressive. V very much so. Um, ripping open the head in the prison and the inmate just yelling, what the fuck? Before all the carnage. Oh, that whole sequence. Yeah. 
The, yes. That sequence is crazy. I don't know what the hell the costume design was doing in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> we were all over the place decades wise. Really it was like a fun little fashion show. The creatures really come was. out at night. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Um, I just want to real fast shout out. I love the look of the transitions into the visions. Uh, there, it, she, Ooh, yeah. He does a really kind of multi-liquidy yes. type, uh, you know, stripping away of the current setting to get to where the creature wants us to go. And I think that's just a really, it's one of those things where it's always exciting to see a new look at something in a movie when you've seen, you feel like you've seen everything. I, I completely agree. It's the thing that, once again, made this stand out from his other horror movies, whereas, you know, heading into this, I thought we were getting just another James Wan horror film. And it's like, no, he added enough to this one to make it stand apart in his filmography from some of the other ones that he's worked on before. And that's one of the elements there, Cody. I completely agree with you. Oh, yeah. And then the, and then the last thing here is... Um, there's like a line towards the end. I know I mentioned this before, like there were some things that just made me kind of roll my eyes a little bit, but like there's a line about feeding off of fetuses and things like that. And I'm just like, yeah, do we need to, do we need to state everything like out loud like this? Like, you know, I mean, again, Matt, like I understand, but when you watch a lot of movies that are like eighties horror movies, they tend to end like that. Yeah. And, so for me, I never was really bothered by it because it was just like, yeah, that's just what happens in these movies. And because it was having a good time with that concept and having fun with it, I was able to also sort of go with it, too. Alrighty. Well, I still like the movie quite a bit, actually. I think I even enjoyed this maybe more than The Conjuring, which we just reviewed. Considering I watched them just a few days apart, I don't know. But I just had more fun with this. And the gore effects are, you know, definitely a hoot at times. The uh, contortionist uh, stuff that uh, Emma was mentioning before is also like a good bit of fun. Cinematography, production design, uh, the sound work. I think Annabelle Wallace is giving it her all, even though it's not like, a you know, masterclass performance, best of the year status or anything like that. I think that she's just very, very committed to what James Wan is doing. And James Wan is committed to his own vision here. Like I said, uh, they gave him the keys to the kingdom. It feels like with this one and he just let loose. And I kind of love the movie for that. I'm giving this a very strong seven out of 10. Emma. I'm also at a seven out of 10. Cody. Oh my God. Me too. You know, for a lot of the (laughs) setting, for a lot of the runtime, I was kind of, not disappointed per se, but I kind of was waiting to see what would happen. And then, yeah, the second half made it a seven out of 10 for sure. Josh. Well, I'm actually going to be a little bit bolder. I'm giving it an eight out of 10. Really, really had a good time with this movie. And, and this is like an eight out of 10 for a horror movie, you know, for sure. I don't think this is going to be like in my top 10 or anything like that, but just for its own ambitions as to be an entertaining horror thriller, I had so so much fun with it and for that yeah i would give it an 8 out of 10 and as much as i really enjoyed a lot of the technical elements of this movie and cody josh and i had a long conversation about this on our conjuring review recently sadly i don't see this coming anywhere near the award season conversation in any way shape or form not even from a precursor standpoint no come on <laughs> no. no 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 what would, what would you say though is the one element of this movie that is worthy of consideration now uh i do really like a lot of the cinematography and this the colors stand out quite a bit the 
the yellows and the reds, definitely, as you were mentioning um, earlier, Matt, and then just how scary those black rooms are and just going into those darker areas it was it adds to the horror so i i love the colors in this i'm with you emma i would give a shout out to the cinematography i think the camera movement the lighting in this uh not just with the use of red but the like there's an autopsy scene with the two cops where they come in and it's a darkly lit room with like this one uh, uh, beacon of light in there. It just, it looks great. Like the movie overall, I think looks so much better than some of the other ones that he's done in the past. And I know that that a large reason for that is because the budget on this one's definitely a little bit bigger, but I, I just really appreciated the visual aesthetic of this movie. I like the makeup too. Um, but I agree. I think uh, cinematography is always something that is pretty good in the James Wan movies, especially uh, compared to other horror movies. He clearly, has a real keen visual eye and use it to convey both clarity and also aesthetic uh, pleasure. I don't know. Like his movies look good and they're also uh, well-made in terms of uh, helping the audience along. I think you can also point to the visual effects being pretty good, not just in like those transition scenes that we all like seem to really like, but I'm sure that there's, you know, some invisible things happening, too, that especially allow that creature to get in multiple places. And some of the practical effects in this movie are also, like, really fun. Um, I don't think any of that is coming near an Oscar conversation. I agree. But those are certainly very strong elements to this movie and contribute to how good it is overall. And my final point here before we sign off is... I recognize that this movie leaves the opening for yet another franchise created by James Wan. I don't know if I need it. I don't think I need it. I don't think so either. Yeah. I feel like it's very standalone. I agree. I think, you know, no matter what happens later in the movie, I think this is a very compact uh, one and done story. Yeah, I mean, most horror movies end with those kinds of quote-unquote cliffhanger endings and it doesn't necessarily mean that we need another one or going to get another one i think that this works just fine even with that little bit right at the very end that sort of teases something else yeah they just need to get the electrical work put fixed up and then we don't have to worry about anything anymore (laughs) yeah obvious fix right there come on i mean my only thing about it is that if you are going to do it i do feel that you need to bring annabelle wallace back i don't feel like you can bring a whole new set of characters and then bring this uh, character Gabriel like into all of it again. It just wouldn't make thematic sense. So I feel like if you are going to make a sequel, it has to be a continuation of Maddie's story. I mean, I don't know what else you could do with this property that didn't involve her. So, yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, Emma, where can they find you on the Internet? You can find me on Twitter at Emma underscore Sasek and on Letterboxd at Emma Sasek. Josh Parham. You can find me on Twitter at J.R. Parham. Cody Derricks. I'm on Twitter, Letterboxd, and Instagram at CodyMonster91. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Malignant here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. And if you want to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars, drop us a comment. We really appreciate your feedback and your support which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time.
Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.